The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. We're going to be presenting an interview with Gordon Lightfoot that was originally broadcast on the radio back a few years ago. Gordon Lightfoot is one of the most legendary songwriters of all times. He is a singer, songwriter, recording artist, and concert performer. He is most known for his songs like Sundown, If You Could Read My Mind, Early Morning Rain, Carefree Highway, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, many, many others. His songs have been recorded by the likes of Bob Dylan, Harry Belafonte, Elvis Presley, Barbara Streisand, and too many others to list. And the reason that I'm bringing this interview out, tonight, my wife and I are going to see Gordon Lightfoot in concert at the Atlanta Symphony Hall. It made me think of this interview. A lot of fans of Gordon Lightfoot throughout the years have contacted me about this interview, and they've all said the same thing. You really, really got Gordon in a talkative mood. He was in rare form. So, with no further ado, let's get into the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my great pleasure to welcome this man. He's the one and only Gordon Lightfoot. Thank you so much for making the time to do this. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I want to kind of go back. What was life like growing up? I tell you, that, uh, that, <laughs> that requires a lot of thought. It was normal. Got into music early. Grew up in a really small town. There was music there. There was sports. There was a couple of movie theaters. There was a, an opera house. A little small concert, ty- concert type of opera, opera house there. See about six or seven hundred people. And I remember I played in a talent contest there when I was about five years old. There on, it was a normal family encouraged by, by parents, parental encouragement, uh, parental input. Sometimes they got a little short, uh, sometimes a little impatient with me. But after a while, they, they found out that I was, I was serious about it, serious about things. I always wanted to be a performer, and I always wanted to be a singer, and, and as far back as I can remember. I went to high school, uh, through high school, I went to a, a music school in Los Angeles when I was 19 years of age. During my high school years, I, I played in operettas. Uh, I played in uh, had a, a barber, had two different barbershop quartets that I was a part of. Later on in high school, I, I sang, uh, sang and played drums in a dance band, which turned into a, a great little jazz gig for me uh, at one point or in my early 20s. But of course, I didn't go in that direction. We had, uh, we had sports. I, 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 jo- I joined the football team in grade nine. And I, I'm not a big person. <laughs> I am not a big person, but I, I joined the football team in grade nine. Immediately was uh, lassoed into a barbershop quartet called the Collegiate Four, is what we called ourselves. And we sang in competition with some of the other ad quartets, Society for the Preservation and Encouragement of Barber Quartet Singing in America. Interesting. That's the SBEBSQSA. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you got that all. I did. I did. Now, tell us all the listeners out there, about the first time that you wrote a song. Yeah, okay, I was in grade 12, and I I wrote a topical song. A topical song? Yeah, I wrote a topical song. I don't know why why I did that. I I 
saw something on the cover of the old Life. Remember Life magazine? When it, when it was it hasn't been published for a long time, but there was a great magazine back around the time called Life magazine. Yeah. You know the forerunner of Time and Newsweek and all the other good news magazines that we had. Now McLean's magazine up here. They had a picture of a, of a whole bunch of of a large group of people about. about uh, there must have been about 80 or 90 people in the parking lot, in, in a vacant lot in New York City. Hmm. A lot that was being prepared for the for build, for some kind of a building, but it was leveled right off, and it was just a vacant lot. And everybody in there, they were all spread out, and everybody was, had a hula hoop around their waist, and they were all doing the hula hoop all at once. And the picture appeared on the front page cover of Life magazine because it was it was the time that the hula hoop came in to, to vogue. It, everybody was doing it. The kids started doing it. It was like any of the other fads that we've seen through all the years was the hula hoop. I decided that uh, that I would write try and write a song about about this hula hoop fad. I mean, people have uh, have asked me if I would uh, would play the hula hoop song sometime, but they'd have to waterboard me first before I do it. <laughs> okay, what was the? <laughs> I have done it though. I have I've recited it. I have. Oh recited. yeah, yeah yeah. I've done it. I've done it. It's, when I took it to a publisher, I I I really I I was so serious about it that I had just started driving, and and my father lent me his car to drive all the way down to Toronto, and I was in this little tiny town about 80 miles north of Toronto, and I found out about uh, that there was a publishing uh, outlet in Toronto from a friend in high school, and uh, I, I borrowed my dad, I asked my dad if he'd lend me the car, and he, he lent it to me, and I went down there, and I played the song for, for the guy, for, for them. Hmm. I went right to the office. I went, I went right to the BMI, BMI Canada. Uh, you heard of BMI, the Performance Rights Society? Yeah, of course. You know, ASCAP, BMI. I went right to the BMI and uh, played the song right for the guy at his desk playing on my guitar. He said, leave your name with our receptionist and we'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> Famous last words, right? So, he told me to keep on working, and I did, and I, I submitted more songs. And after a while, they, they started to realize that I, I was more than just a, just a hula hooper, and there was more, it went a little deeper than that. But he was impressed by the fact that I had written a topical song, but he said most of the songs that we get in here are about, you know, love and romance and unrequited relationships and all that kind of right. Stuff and uh, to see somebody wrote, wrote a topical song, he, he encouraged me. He said, "Keep writing." He said, "Don't stop." And if you get any more songs, uh, send them in. And I did. And uh, eventually, I had to, uh, to leave that uh, uh, that situation and move on because I, I I actually moved on and had to to actually buy myself out of my first contract, which was when I was about 24 years of age, and I was already married at that time and had two children. So you can understand that it was. Uh, not all, all, you know, it, it wasn't all that simple. No. But, but I, I just persevered, and, and, and I, I tried real hard. And, and I kept writing, and, I get, and the writing kept getting better, and I, I got a chance to be on a show over in Britain uh, 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 for a summer replacement series, and uh, it was on, they did seven shows, BBC, over in London, and got married, and married a Swedish girl. I married a girl from Stockholm, Sweden. I... I quit my job as a uh, 
singer and dancer on a television series to uh, follow her back to Stockholm and marry her in 1963. It's quite a tale. I, I, I have my, my third unauthorized biography has just been released up here. It's called Letters to Gordon. <laughs> Letters to Gordon. Oh, yeah. Have you read it? And, well, the, what really troubles me is that it got a terrific review here in the Globe and Mail newspaper. But you know what it is, really? It, it's, a, it's a rehash of the other two unauthorized biographies. Oh, I see. Because there are three of them. And they, they, every time somebody does an authorized biography, they, they just look back at the other two unauthorized biographies to get their information. So it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, in the review, they say it's a good read. Because it's collective. <laughs> so I, I may get around to reading it one of these days. I don't know who the fellow is that wrote it. I've read before that you said that the, the your experiences in choir is what taught you to sing expressively. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, the story uh, absolutely unto itself. Between the ages of uh, 11, uh, was it 10, 11, 12, and 13, uh, I, I uh, had a really good, solid, strong vocal uh, as a boy soprano. And uh, they picked me out of the uh, the choir here at the at the church or the choir uh, that I was singing in the junior choir. The choir leader pulled me out of the uh, the choir and, and tried to did say try. He started to train me. Asked my mother if I if she was interested in, in having me trained, and she said yes, and I said yes, and my mother already had me doing some piano lessons. I mean, my mom, I mean, I call her my mother through respect. I mean, really, she was a wonderful person. She she encouraged me a great deal, and so did my father. But they already had me doing, taking piano lessons, so they said, fine, we'll, uh, let's do the training. So the next thing I, uh, I knew, I was singing uh, in, in competition uh, in the Kiwanis festivals. And I did very well there. I did really, really good over the next three years. I repeated in, uh, or sang in quite a few classes. did very well. While I was doing that, and, and the, the, the guy who was teaching me to sing taught me to sing with emotion. By the time I was about 12 years old, he, had, he, he taught me how, to, how to, to sing with emotion. And I'll tell you how he did that. He got me doing things from Handel's Messiah. The, the great uh, choral work or orchestra work, Handel's Messiah, yeah. is, the, is what it's called. He, he had me doing material from there. Other than the stuff I was using for competition, he had me also at the same time working on, on Handel's Messiah, sections of, of Handel's Messiah, which actually taught me by osmosis how to, how to sing with, uh, with emotion, just through osmosis. I, I just picked up on it just by doing uh, those those kind of songs. When you started to get into the craft of songwriting, what songwriters influenced you the most? Okay, there was there was Steve Goodman, there was Bob Gibson, there was Pete Seeger, there was Joni Mitchell, there was Hank Snow, there was Wilf Carter, and there was Bob Dylan. I have read where Bob Dylan has said many times that you're one of the greatest songwriters. So today, when you think of the people that are still writing songs, who do you think is the greatest? Well, he's he, he's the uh, I, I would I would have to uh, give all the kudos to him. He he is a, a 
a remarkable songwriter. He, he's he's kind of got gotten lost a little bit in, in the flood in recent years, but he's a he's a wonderful songwriter. He's he's on the same par as the Beatles are. He's on exactly the same par as the Beatles. Bob Dylan, Beatles, they're they're about about equal. What do you think about Stephen Foster? Well, I used to take him in uh, in, in grade eight in public school. We sang uh, uh, certain songs by by Stephen Foster that were very, very nice, and a lot of those uh, melodies hung with me, and some of those feelings and ambiences and shadings and, and the wonderful melodies that he used and the simplicity, and I applied it in, actually in a couple of my songs, and I, I wrote about it. I, I had a song called Your Love's Return, which really showed everything I ever had learned by, by doing Stephen Foster songs. What would you say is the greatest well of inspiration for your songwriting? Well, well, <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. I don't know. I, I, I think I started looking inside myself very, very early for, for ways, ways and means. I, I want to write songs. I wrote my first song in grade 12, but I, I really wanted to do it before that. I really felt like I could, and I just, there never was a reason until I saw that silly article, you know. Uh, it was uh, uh, on the cover of Life magazine. It was just a light, uh, a light article that they were doing that week. Golly, I remember a time between the Second World War and the Korean War where there was hardly any news at all <laughs> for about five years. From the end of the Second World War until the Korean War started, there was a real blank spot. And I, I used to, have to I, I was doing uh, current events too in grade eight, grade seven, and eight. We were doing current events reports, you know. And there was nothing in the newspaper, and there was there was no television. You know, there was there was radio. I mean, maybe one of these days, if I'm lucky, I'll give it the 21st century. <laughs> I don't even have a cell phone. No, well, that's no, a blessing, probably. <laughs> you know, the cell phone it rings all the time. People bother you. It doesn't sound like a good idea to me. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I, I, I've got people around me who have cell phones, so if I need to make a call, I can always borrow somebody's cell phone, but that's not very often. I'm better organized than that. I'm, I'm organized to the point where I, I hardly ever have to go near a cell phone. And I move around a lot. I really do. I spend a lot. I'm very active, <clears throat> always on, on, on the go. Do you ever get tired of being on the road? No. No, 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 never. It, it, uh, <clears throat> that would be... That would be awful. It would be an awful thing to do if it made me tired. Uh, well, I mean, sometimes you can, uh, you might get a little bit tired, but I mean, I, I love the work. I mean, I'm, I'm always primed. I'm always ready to go. I'm always prepared. And uh, you know, uh, we, we know what we're going to what we're going to do, and, and we're 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 confident. Uh, I have a, a wonderful group of musicians backing me up. I mean, it's just. You know, it's fun. It's wonderful. The people, the people seem to love it, and 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 I love uh, I love performing, and I like to sing from from the heart. I, I like to uh, I like to sing my heart out to to make it quite you know put it quite clearly. Well, speaking of of someone singing their heart out, there have been some very very soulful and meaningful versions of your songs. Uh, you know, you've recorded your songs, but other people have recorded your songs. People like Elvis Presley, the group Peter, Paul, and Mary, Marty Robbins. I love the version that Harry Belafonte did of, I think he did, Early Morning Rain. 
what song that you wrote that was recorded by somebody else would you say was the best interpretation of one of your songs? Oh, my You know, I'd almost have to, uh, to dig so deep with that, I'd have to find somebody that, that wasn't all that well-known. Just for an example, uh, I can give you a couple of examples. Murray McLaughlin, Home from the Forest. Jesse Winchester, Sundown. This is not going that deep. Barbara Streisand, if you could read my mind. Yeah. Peter Palomari, Early Morning Rain. There, there's a lot of them, really. really. I, you know, there's a, there's a, there are actually probably about two, two or three pages of, of covers here. I, I, I was very lucky at the, at the beginning, you know, that I, I was actually discovered. I, I was really discovered. I was lucky to be discovered up here in Canada. And, and have it uh, be able to and be accepted by the industry over in the United States, and and, and it was very much because of uh, the interest that Peter Paul and Mary took in my work that really opened the doors up for me down there. It got me in, involved with the creative management situation, and and the manager uh, had a, had a, a great publisher uh, that he worked with, uh, M. Whitmark and Sons, and it was run by a guy named. Named uh, Artie, Artie Mogul, Artie, Artie, Arthur Mogul. And boy, I tell you, for about the first five years, uh, I had five albums in my, my first five years under that uh, that deal, which started about 1965. And I think that Artie Mogul got me about 150 cover recordings. Wow. He was one of the best song pluggers in in uh, in, Amer- in in the, the states, in anywhere. That's incredible. Uh, he got 50 cover recordings in Early Morning Rain. I mean, I mean, it's you know, it's 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 amazing. I, I was very lucky to get involved with some people, Ian and Sylvia. I don't know if you remember them or not. They were one of, one of the really well-known folk duos. They were a husband and wife team, Canadians. Were discovered me, came to see me in a, in a bar, playing in a, in, in a bar. They were the first to record Early Morning Rain, isn't that right? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I thought so. This is impossible for most songwriters. The thing I constantly hear is songwriters say that's like choosing between your children. Could you pick a favorite song of yours? Uh, I think I, I think that If You Could Read My Mind is my favorite. That song is it, it is a, just an incredible song. And on that note, do you find heartbreak is a greater inspiration than something that is joyous? You know, ha- having experienced uh, uh, the the roller coaster ride that we encounter, you know, in in living, you know, I it's it can go one one way or the other. You know, I I uh, I don't prefer to write sad songs, and I and I don't always write sad songs, but they but they are they're kind of serious. I try to balance it up, though, uh, 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 keep things uh, you know optimistic. Uh, in my songwriting, you know, and, and if, I, if I want to let it uh, feel a little bit sad about something, you know, I'll, I'll write it down. I, I did that. I, I, if you could read my mind, was uh, really I was I was going through my my first divorce when I wrote that song. So perhaps some of it rubbed off into the songwriting. Certainly it would. But there's lots of happy stuff too, you know. Uh, I mean, the, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald is not a particularly happy song either. It's the the story that is the and the sound, you know, it's a it's a folk song. It's it's a real folk song. 
When you were writing The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, how much of it, I know that the story is true, but are all of the, uh, like, the facts, I guess what I'm asking is how much artistic license did you take with that song? Okay, well, the whole thing is, is, is accurate, with the exception of verse 4, where I allowed myself some conjecture. But the part about the hatch covers caused some problems, uh, really, uh, which only emerged just recently, just in the last three or four years. So when I, like, what, uh, what, what was the reason, for, what reason was there for the hatch covers to have broken? And, 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 then, and then, of course, it, it, it came around to, well, I wonder who, who didn't close the hatch cover rolled around and all that sort of question. In the meantime, I was in touch with the, our ladies committee in Madison, Wisconsin, whom I, I clear everything with anyway before we do anything at all. Ruth Hudson, Janice Armagost, Cheryl Rosman, and uh, Dolores McSorley, the, the captain's daughter, those four, um, to, to check if anybody wants to do anything with a song or if there's a problem. But the, it did come up about the hatch covers. Why? How did I draw the conclusion that that was what uh, what took place? So, dive detectives, National Geographic, did uh, uh, a special on it here about two years ago, and they proved. They brought it to my office. They played it for me. They got the guy got a laptop off and he put it on my desk and he, and he played it for me and 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 he proved. He said, "I'll prove to you that 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 wasn't what happened." And and what they did is they proved that the ship actually broke in half. Oh, interesting. It's called, it's called dive detectives. Yeah. And and so at that point, I changed the line, and from that point on, for ever since, I, I the part about the hatch covers is gone, and I, I replaced it with a different line. Interesting. So it's still accurate. <laughs> it it is, and 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 what could have happened? It the 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 line now reads. Uh, uh, it, the ship did sink sometime. I mean, the, the rest of it's all chronologically correct. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all the other six verses or eight, eight verses, whatever it is. It's it, uh, the, the fourth verse is the only one where I allowed any any conjecture, and at the same time borrowed a line from Woody Guthrie. All at uh, all at one fell swoop. But then had to go back and, and uh, rewrite that one line because the ladies' committee in Madison wanted me to do that. So I went, I did that. Hmm. Well, what about writing Early Morning Rain? What was the inspiration behind that song? Well, I, I, was, I was thinking about, about going to school out in California when I was about 19 to take the arranging course at Westlake College. And thinking about the LA, export, L.A. airport and the way it was back in those old days around about 1959, and, uh, and I was at the same time babysitting my six-month-old, my, my three-month-old three son in my study while my wife was out shopping. <laughs> hmm. And all of a sudden, I, I I sat down to write a song, and I, I wrote the, that song in, in probably one afternoon. I don't know I don't know how how it happened, but two or three hours babysitting my little my newly born little son Fred. He's now my eldest boy. Went to school, graduated from university. The uh, the man who's engineering this session is also a musician. His name's Jeff Pike, and he has performed many, many times in his her career the song Carefree Highway. So I wanted to know, 
And he wanted to know, what was the inspiration behind that song? Well, apart from what it, what it says about the, about the soul and, and uh, about wanting to be, be free and, 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 and sort of on the move, free and on the move, so to speak, uh, I got it from a road sign between Tucson and Phoenix. Uh, one night while driving, driving from uh, was it was it Tucson? I forget which city it was, but I was heading for for Phoenix. Anyways, and a sign came up and said "Carefree Highway." You know, one of those large highway signs on the said, uh, which which of course is the sign off to to uh, Carefree Arizona. He got me stuck. Now I'm trying to think of the name of the city we were we were we were going we were leaving because people would know people. In, People would know which uh, where that sign was. I've had a lot, of, lots of people come up to me and say they've been driving out there and they've uh, they've seen the road sign there, the free highway. I wanted to also ask about the line in Sundown. What does it mean when you say, "If I find you've been creeping round my back stairs"? That means if he's been been cutting into my rhubarb. That's what it means. <laughs> Has he been? Has he been rubbing the other man's rhubarb? As, he, as Jack Nicholson said in Oh, I see. Somebody's been rubbing the other man's rhubarb. And that song is kind of about like a, a heartbreak situation, isn't it? Yeah, it's about a it's about a situation that that bothered me a great deal of the time too, because I was in a a kind of a relationship where there there was not full full trust. And at the time that I wrote the song, then I person I was supposed to be trusting was 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 out partying <laughs> while I wrote that song it was that very night I mean I a lot of these songs I've written right in right in the middle of the experience and, and I've, it's, I've done it more than once too I did it as recently as the album I just wrote the, the harmony and a little album that I wrote after my I, I did all my records for Warner Brothers which was 14 albums uh, I wrote another one independently just for the heck of it, just for fun, and I called it Harmony, but got all songs in there that, that direct to uh, to my second uh, second divorce, which just went through. Harmony came out in 2004, and I was wondering, are you still writing songs, and are there any plans for maybe another album? They're in my head. There's, there's song, I have songs in my, in my mind. I have songs in my head. Uh, I wish I had the time to do it. I've, I've got there's lots and lots of family obligation, and boy, I want to keep up the tour because that's the most fun of all. And so it sounds like you prefer performing over anything else. Is that true? Yes, I do. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's always been that way. It's always has been that way. Ever since I stood up on my grandma's kitchen table and sang for my aunts and uncles. When it comes to music, would you say you're more attracted to the lyrics or the melody in a song? I like both. I love. A, I like a great marriage between the lyric and the melody. The marriage between the lyric and the melody. A nice chord progression, nice message, and the kind of material that I can sink my teeth into. What do you hope the listener gets out of the experience of your music? They should feel, if they don't feel uplifted, I... They, they, I hope they will feel uplifted, uplifted. What is the best thing about being Gordon Lightfoot? Now that is that is a very very difficult question to to answer. <laughs> I'll have to 
What's it like to be me? It's it's normal as I can make it. It's as normal as I can make it. And uh, I, I I do all the same things as everybody else does. I've got a I've got family. I got I got kids. I got responsibilities. I love my children. I I I, I, I watch the news. I'm concerned about the the world. I can stop and talk to lots of people on the street. Oh yeah, that's one of the things. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm, I'm actually I, I spent a lot of time down in the downtown core of the city. You know, this is about a four or five million people in, in Toronto here. It's the largest city in Canada, and uh, I go right downtown to uh, to go to my my gym classes because I work out all the time because it keeps me in shape to get out and do the shows. And when I'm doing that, I run into lots of people down in the around the hotel and down in the business area and down where the the uh, department stores are. I mean, my own daughter was just down the street here recently at at the uh, what, what do they call it? What, what's the sit-in again? Yeah, my little daughter and I got her picture in the front page of the Toronto Globe and Mail here, the newspaper. I went down to visit her one day at at the because uh, she was in there right from the very first day. My youngest daughter. She. She's out of it now. She decided she's not going to stay, but she she hung in there for about three months. She went down to New York, and she went she went to the the city in there, and she went down to to uh, Ground Zero, where they're putting up the new building down there. Went went and checked out the crowd. So I, I, occasionally I could even drop over there and visit her. And and if I'm not doing that, you know, I'm around the city halls down there, and there's lots of people walking around, and I stop and talk to people all the time down there. I just stand on the street. I stand in the, down in the concourse and I go to the gym. And I, I, I meet people and I just stand and talk to them. And I like it. I really enjoy it. People recognize me. They want to talk to me. I stop and talk to them. I have one more question for our special guest, Mr. Gordon Lightfoot. We have listeners not just in Atlanta, but in a lot of different places. So my last question for you, Mr. Lightfoot. What would you like to say to all the people who are listening? I can think of a of a hundred things. Stay motivated, everybody. Stay motivated. All right. Well, Mr. Lightfoot, it's been a great pleasure. I thank you very much for this interview. It's been very interesting. Thanks, Paul. Have a good night. Thank you. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment. For information, visit thepaulleslie.com. Thank you for being with us. Until next time. <laughs>